Hey Ramp Church, uh, welcome to a little mini-series we're doing here on walking in freedom. And I'm really excited to pick up on where we left off in the last part, and I have with me uh, the one and only Michael Wood. So if, <laughs> hey guys. if you are just now joining us for this part of this series, um, Micah is the pastor of Ramp Church Hamilton, and uh, you know I admire him greatly, and we've known each other for years. And so your story's been an inspiration to me, but to so many people. And uh, so I love that we're kind of diving into this, but we're even in this part going beyond kind of the bounds of your own story. And now we're looking at what some of the theology uh, behind finding freedom in life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we look at the way we live, uh, from the way we behave to the way we relate to others to the life choices we make, um, it's so easy to think about those in an isolated kind of way, an isolated environment. But really behind everything we do in life, there is a belief. Mm -hmm. There's some sort of even maybe even belief system. Now that Mm -hmm. system may be faulty. There, There may not be strong continuity inside of that, but there is something down deep, conscious or, or, or unconscious, that we've made conclusions about mm, that's right. um, the way we're, we're supposed to live. So when we talk about walking in freedom now, Micah, your story is specifically about finding freedom from sexual addiction, and it is powerful. If you haven't watched the first part, you need to, because it's really going um, really to give you a, a lot of foundation for understanding where we're going here. But it's vitally important. Mm-hmm. to think rightly about God, to think rightly about the way he interacts in our life. So if you've wondered, maybe you've had questions about, okay, I mean, I am walking with God. And I've made a decision to follow him. Um, my life seems kind of about the same. You know, there hasn't been a whole lot change. Or I'm wondering how does God actually work in my life? Those are all at their root kind of theological questions, aren't they? Mm-hmm, they are. So we're going to cover some of those. And I believe what's going to happen by the end of this is you're going to have some major major foundational stones put in place that can help shape your thinking for your own journey in finding freedom. Mm-hmm. Would, you, would you kind of second that? Yeah, I would 100% agree. And sometimes when we think of the word theology, we, we tend to put it into an academic category. That's something people do in a classroom or in textbooks. And it really has no practical application for our lives. But I love this one quote from A.W. Tozer. He wrote a book called The Knowledge of the Holy. And in that book, he made this statement. He said, since we are the handiwork of God, it then follows that all of our problems and their solutions are theological. In other words, we don't live in a random materialistic universe. We live in a world that was created by God. Therefore, we can't approach it any other way than with, than with God at the center. God is the starting point. So when we talk about long-term transformation of behavior, the human nature, we talk about long-term sustainable freedom in any area of our lives, the starting point has to be a discussion about God. And then from there, we find the application, the patterns, the habits we can adopt to support that long-term freedom. But again, the beginning has to be theological. We have to start with God, 
at, at the at the center, yeah. and then from there build every other so thing. So already, you've already said some things that kind of intrigue me and maybe even challenge the way that that I think about this and that, that, I'm, that maybe others are thinking. And that is, when I think about behavior, especially when it comes to Christianity or faith, I thought that that was something God demanded of me, but was kind of separate from him. In other words... The whole idea is religion is telling me to do something and God's looking back, seeing, you know, doing this or this on if I'm doing. But you're, you're at a totally different starting point that all of this is integrated. Mm-hmm. God is a part of this design. Mm-hmm. And, our, and our journey in theology is kind of understanding all mm-hmm. of the way these things work. And then that's actually connected to then finding freedom in behavior. Yes. Is that right? Is that kind of a starting point that, that even theologically you're looking at this as a holistic perspective like that? Yeah, it's very much a holistic perspective. It reminds me of something Jesus said in the Gospel of John chapter 8 where he said, You shall know the truth, wow. and the truth shall make you free. Wow. In other words, a lot of times we think about behavior, religious expectation, and truth in this way. I already know the truth, okay. and I just can't do it. Wow. But but according to Jesus, you're not living in freedom because you don't actually know the truth. My because you don't know how integrated all of this is. You, you, you're not thinking the way God thinks about this. Okay. And so the problem is not that you know the truth and you're not doing it. The problem is we need to be renewed in our minds about what the truth actually is. Wow. That, that, okay, let me say this in a different way. So it almost metaphorically, our vision is blurred in mm-hmm. seeing things for what they really are. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that what you're saying? So yes. when we come to issues of freedom, maybe it's sexual addiction, maybe it's sexual confusion, maybe it's substance abuse, whatever it could be. I mean, it doesn't even have to be things that, that are quite that epic or, mm-hmm. or life-shaping. Right. It can be tiny hang-ups right. in life that maybe are cyclical. It could be self-destructive behaviors or communication things that we just can't seem to get out of. But that, that those sorts of things, even the way we're viewing the problem, could be mm-hmm. off. Right. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, and, I mean, unpack that. In a other bit. words, well, that. well, so when, uh, so an author I've really enjoyed for years, and I may have disagreements with him here and there, is an author named N.T. Wright. Okay. So obviously, from from you know the UK, yeah. so he's a massive voice. But he said it like this: If we want to get Bible answers, we have to ask Bible questions. Whoa. In other words, sometimes we're not even hearing the answers God wants to give us. Because we're not asking the same questions that he is. Okay, now I thought church was just a place they told me all the right answers. <laughs> no, yeah. at church, you uh, ideally at church, you start learning how to ask the right questions. Wow, that's huge. And when you start asking questions that God's wanting to answer, then that's when you start hearing his answers. Now, whatever your question is, God wants to give you an answer. You know, it's not yeah, like, right, well, right. you're not asking the right thing, so I'm not speaking to you. So God has something to say. Scripture has something to say to every question. But to, to really have a full renewal of the mind, sometimes our questions are built on the wrong presuppositions. Okay. And one of the beauty of, for instance, authors like C.S. Lewis is he had a knack for not just challenging people's answers, but challenging people's questions. 
and say, I know that question sounds sophisticated, mm -hmm. but if we were to dig a little deeper, that question is already assuming you know certain answers. Okay. And so let's go back and challenge those. Yeah. And if we can dig a little deeper about what your presuppositions are, okay. then maybe we can get to a better question that'll lead us to a better answer. Okay, so now let's, I mean, this, this, all of this is just fascinating, but let's transition this like, or, or narrow it more specifically to, to finding yes. freedom mm -hmm. and the questions that people ask in kind of this thing, or, or as we're building our theology of freedom, of what it means mm -hmm. to walk in freedom, you know, what are some of those questions you feel like people are asking that, that aren't the right ones? Right. What should we be asking? You, mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Help kind of start our journey even yeah. in that. Well, here I think is a really key question, okay. and which will ultimately then become a discussion about freedom and discipleship and holiness and growing in God. Here's a really key question. From what does grace save us? Wow. So we all know that that grace is the answer. Yeah, it's all through the New Testament. It's all through the New this, Testament. This, this idea, for you this are concept. saved, yeah. the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians, for you are saved by grace through faith. Okay. So, so most Christians in the church sort of know that combination. The grace of God, the gift of God through Jesus Christ at the cross. And there's different, you know, um, theories on how it works, but... Yeah. Regardless of how it works, we know that it works. Yes, you know, Jesus yes, on the yes. cross, that salvation. Grace is a real fact. We believe there's the encounter. We know the love yeah. of God. And so we all know that grace is the answer. What's the question? Wow. We all know that grace is the solution. What's the problem? Why do we even need God's Why grace? Do we even Why need is it, God's yeah. grace? From what are we saved? Wow. And how we answer that question determines how we see the topic of freedom. Mm. It determines how we see the topic of discipleship. It determines how we think about sin after salvation. Okay. And so that's a really important one because everyone sometimes everyone assumes we all kind of have the same answer. Because mm -hmm. we all know the word salvation. Right. Salvation means there was some kind of danger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What were you what are you yeah. saved from? And so um, so uh, you want me to just jump right into Please. it? Please, so, I'm 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 already intrigued. I'm on the edge of my seat. So in response to that question. From what do we say? There are three popular answers, okay. three common answers, that each of them are true okay. but incomplete. Wow. Because underneath each of them, there's a common denominator. Mm -hmm. So um, after coming out of the New Testament, sometimes people respond to the question, from what does grace save me, with this. Grace saves me from the law. And so in a lot of theological circles, that's the idea. Well, the law yeah. was the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This law the is Moses, rules that God gives rules, us that we can't keep. Rules that God gave to Israel, and they couldn't keep them, so yeah. therefore they experienced curses and consequences. And grace came to save us from the law, and it seems almost self-explanatory in the New Testament because you read scriptures like in John chapter 1 where it says, "Great, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So it's like, oh, well, the problem was there was this law and God's expectations it's for like humanity. Jesus versus Moses sort of a thing. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like God's expectation for humanity was just too high. Okay. So Jesus came and sort of got got his father to change his mind okay. about what was required. So yeah. that's grace because okay. the law was hard. Grace is easy. Come yeah. on in. Okay. Makes it and easier. So it makes it easier. That's right. So grace makes it easier. Yeah. The law was hard. Grace makes it easier. So that's okay. kind of one response okay. is uh, what does grace save us from? It's grace saves us from the law. Okay. What's, what's another? So a second response would be um, grace saves us from the wrath of God. 
Okay. So that's a, that's a very common response. The concept of hell is found in that. Yep. Okay, hell, eternity separated from God. Yeah, judgment. I don't want to go hell, judgment, wrath of God. Yeah. We are saved from that stuff on the cross. So a, a popular theology would be, and I'm not, again, denying e- any of these. I'm of saying they're all true but incomplete. So on the cross, Jesus bore our punishment. Okay. And so because Sin always of has that, a cost. Sin always has a cost. He bore death. He bore the wrath of God on the cross. He bore all that for us. So he saves us from the wrath of God. So that's a second answer. Um, That is, again, true, but in my opinion, incomplete. So you've got grace saves us from the law. Grace saves us from wrath. And the third component would be grace saves us from the power of Satan. Hmm. So so that's kind of a a popular one. Um, In Britain, maybe, I I don't know, maybe it's popular, maybe it's not. Especially in America, especially in the South, it's very popular. Hmm. You are being held captive. By the devil. You've been ensnared. You've been deceived. Mm. And so what you need is freedom. Mm-hmm. You need a chain broken. Well, who's holding that chain? Satan's holding that chain. And you need that chain broken so you're no longer in the kingdom of darkness, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you are now in the kingdom of God. Yeah. So there's so, essentially a spiritual war. There's a spiritual war. And whatever you want to call mm-hmm. the devil or however you want to picture that, there is a force that's holding right. us captive, and grace is the breaking of that hold. That's right. That so power. grace breaks that, and now we're no longer held captive by the devil. Yep. Now we're sons and daughters okay. of God. We're in the house of God. So what's a more complete so, idea? Yeah, well, that's a good question, but let me say this first. Each of those are true but incomplete, okay. and they have negative consequences if we hold to only one of those three, or even all those C. three together. C. Yes. So we can talk maybe about the consequences later if, we, if that comes up. I think a deeper layer that binds all of those together is this. From what does grace save us? Grace saves us from sin. Okay. Each of those three, law of Moses, wrath of God, power of Satan, each of those are a consequence of sin. Okay. So Paul says clearly in Romans chapter 7, the law was given because of sin. Hmm. So the problem in the Old Testament is not that the law was too hard. It's that sin is that man's heart was too weak. Wow. I mean, in a sense, Paul is almost endorsing the law. Yeah. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, the law is spiritual Mm. and good. I'm the one who's carnal, sold under sin. So if we think that grace is simply salvation from the law. It's like saying, okay, I'll say it like this. Sin is the disease, the law is the diagnosis. Oh, okay. So imagine someone who has cancer. So the law isn't the answer. The law is not the answer, it is the revealer of the problem. Whoa. So if you think of it like this, imagine someone who has cancer. And if they need to be saved from cancer, so they they contract the disease, some, however that comes, and a doctor says, you have cancer. They give them the diagnosis, a written report, you have cancer. Mm-hmm. For them to be saved from cancer, you don't just take the report and throw it in the fire. <laughs> you dealt the diagnosis, but you need to deal with the disease. Very good. So if we say grace saves us from sin, and that's all that we say, mm-hmm. what are we saying? That God threw the diagnosis in the fire. Yeah. It's, it's well, that's fine that he destroyed the diagnosis, yeah. but I still need him to deal with the disease. There's still a brokenness, and if we call the brokenness okay, 
it doesn't mean it's not broken. That's right. Yeah. So the law came to reveal our condition and to diagnose our disease. And so is it true to say grace saves us from the law? Yes, but the reason it saves us from the law is because it saves us from sin. So if you're healed of cancer, you can throw away the diagnosis. Yeah, 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 yeah. This this is this is such such to me a profound point because one of the things I found, and some of this is anecdotal, but I but I think it's I think it's probably a universal experience that everybody can everybody could relate to. When I talk to people about uh, about the undeniable brokenness in humanity. I mean, it's just undeniable. When, when you look at the global pandemic, when you look at wars, when you look at extreme poverty, there's just a, bro- creation is broken. Mm-hmm. And nobody would say, yes, I think this is how things should be. There's a mm-hmm. sense in all of us that something's not right about this. Mm-hmm. There's a brokenness. Um, but when we start to make that brokenness personal, it, then it becomes emotional. It stops being theoretical about like brokenness outside of me and creation. But mm-hmm. now it's about me. Then we start to get to other other emotions like guilt or mm-hmm. shame. And you see even big movements outside of communities of faith to address yeah. topics of shame. Yeah. And it's like one of the things that we often reach for is not let's solve the problem, That's but right. let's call shameful things okay. Uh, yeah, you you are hitting on a on a deep value of mine. Okay, I, I get, and I, I apologize if this offends somebody somehow because yeah. your favorite songs say this, but yeah, I get a little annoyed or a lot annoyed. Okay, at the overemphasis of trying to deny or remove shame. Okay, now I do think shame can be destructive. Sure, it can. Yeah. However. If I'm doing something I ought to be ashamed of, okay. the mo- the ultimate answer is not stop being ashamed. Wow. It's stop doing the action. Yes. Or be healed in those broken areas that are yes. causing the action. Yes, yes, yes. Again, yes. so the emphasis on again, and that the con one of those things when we emphasize grace is salvation from law, yeah. and we only focus on that. Yeah. Part of the consequence is then we focus on let's get that guilt and shame off of you, rather than let's see that sinful behavior change. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's that's massive. That's massive. And I th- I guess the argument would be, and I would love I would love to hear you address this. Well, nobody can fully deal with the sin. You know, it's like well, I mean, so now it seems like you're asking me to do something that's impossible. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's no way I could live f- completely free from that. So shame's going to be a part of the deal then. So then I've got to just say, well, I, I'm not going to feel ashamed about it. But it's almost like we're throwing the baby out with a bathwater. I mean, what, you know, help me even unpack that a bit. <laughs> yes, that just, that opens up a larger world. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we may not have enough hours yeah, of yes. video footage to record all this. Yes. But if you, if you know, if you kind of maybe hit those hit any of those. So let me start here. Yeah. I think we have too readily in the Mm -hmm. church embraced the lie, Mm. I can't live free from sin. Wow. Now, the oddity of it is that in 1 John, Mm -hmm. the apostle John tells us if anyone claims I have not sinned, he's a liar and makes God a liar. Yeah. Or tries to make God a liar. We know God's not a liar. Yeah. So he's alluding to brokenness so, there and saying, he, if so you what think you're not broken. That's what he's saying is that th- there is an element between now and when we see Jesus face to face. There is an element of 
of we're continually being healed, being made new, because the human condition is that broken. Yep. However, sometimes we go beyond what, what Scripture is telling us in that, and we allow there to be repetitive, reoccurring, sinful actions, yep. and we use certain Scriptures to justify that, yeah. and, we, and we say, well, no one's ever going to be perfect. Yeah. But as long as, and this is where, again, the theology fuels the behavior. If I had the belief system mm-hmm. that nobody can ever be perfect in regard to pornography, yeah. I never would have had the expectation I can be free from it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yes, so Pandora's box stays open. That's right. Because it's impossible for it to yeah. be closed. That's right. And so then I, then what I do is I have to deal with the shame associated for, with everything that that box released. Instead of getting on a path of genuine renewal, mm-hmm. where progressively I am on a path of renewal. That's right. And there's freedom I'm walking in now that I don't have to deal with the shame of that because I'm not, I'm not living in it. That's right. There's genuine yes. freedom. And, uh, but I'm always attaining more of that. Is, is that, I don't want to put words yes. in your mouth, but. No, that is, that is really, no, no, that is key. And to me, that is the, one of the central questions. Yeah. Do we believe? Do you believe yep. that you can be free from sin? That there, here's a, here's a, I'm trying to find the language to say it. Do you believe there are certain sins you will never do again for the rest of your life? Wow. Now, I'm not talking about you, you, you never make mistakes where the Lord reveals yes. that was not in alignment with my heart. Yes. But do we actually believe there are certain sins, there are areas of revelation where God can speak to me and do such a deep work that I never do that again for the rest of my life? And if we believe that, which I believe the Bible tells us we should, yep. it changes then our expectation. It, it changes what we're going after. Of course it does. So that, and that goes back again to our larger question from what does grace save us? Yeah, so if we believe grace saves us from sin, yep. then we have to deal with the consequences of that. And the wow. consequences is... That one of the consequences is that we actually believe that we can live free. Amazing. So I mean, it is tra- it is transformative. You know, I, I personally let, let me just even make this personal. I don't like talking about sin. Okay, and so I don't like talking about judgment. I, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm alone in that. I, I think that's probably a very Western sensibility. Mm-hmm. Is those types of things aren't um, comfortable for us in, 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 in Western philosophy mm-hmm. and, 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 and the categories that we think about life in. Um, but it's undeniable. If you read through the Gospels, one of Jesus's most common themes is the theme of sin. It is. It, 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 he's talking about it constantly, almost. Mm-hmm. And if, if what you're saying was not true, it feels like a helpless indictment against humanity. But if we believe that Jesus is speaking from a place where you can be free, no longer mm-hmm. is, is, there, is this offensive anymore, mm-hmm. 
But it, it is actually the very heart of love and hope yes. for, for the people you're talking to. Yes. So it changes everything to start to believe that at the core of of grace and Jesus's realization that this the great grace is what I'm bringing to humanity mm-hmm. that it's it's what I'm ushering in if we believe that at the core of that is you can be set free mm-hmm. it changes every, it changes the way we we read and understand and interact with mm-hmm. with all of what Jesus is doing in, in the biblical yes. writers do you agree yes. with that i mean is that yeah i agree with that 100% so for instance in the sermon on the mount it's like Jesus, um, again, if we, if we think grace came to make things a little easier yeah. than the law, yeah, yeah, then yeah. We, we don't know what oh, to do gosh, with the Oh gosh, I don't know what to do with the Sermon on the Mount. It's the hardest thing. Because Jesus yeah. makes it a little harder. Okay. And so, you know, Jesus, and here's a scripture we often wrestle with. If your hand offends you, cut it off. Oof. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. And you're like, Lord, I don't really know what to do with that. And it could be that he's bringing us to the place of absolute despair concerning our condition Mm -hmm. because he knows in that place of despair, he's going to give us the answer so we don't have to cut off our hand and (laughs) pluck out our eye. You know what I mean? In other words, I say it like this. The gospel is much more audacious than we give it credit for. Okay. We think the gospel is freedom from the consequences of sin where the essence of the gospel is freedom from sin itself. Again, the law, the Those law, are radically different. It's very different. The law is a consequence of sin. Paul said, had it not been for sin, the law never would have been given. Wow. So the law was given in response to sin, to diagnose sin and to reveal it. Mm-hmm. So that was a consequence of sin that we are saved from. The wrath of God, that is a consequence of sin. Mm. In other words, when we only think Jesus came to save us from the wrath of God, here's how we think about it. God was really angry until the cross, but Jesus came and chilled God out. And then we present the gospel like this. God's not mad anymore. Oh, yes. He used to be, Yes. but Jesus, Jesus has satisfied his anger. J- Jesus has chilled him out. Yep. So because God killed Jesus instead of killing you, you can finally come. Now, there are elements of truth, and I said that in a way that maybe is a little disrespectful because yeah. there is very, that, that is a truth. Yes. There, there is yes, a substitutionary. Absolutely. Yes, there is yes, a propitiation of course there for is. our sins, so that is very real. Um, but if we only look at salvation as salvation from wrath, then again, the problem is not that man's sinful. The problem is that God's angry. Yeah. But the problem throughout Scripture is not God is so God angry. God has an anger issue. We have to find a way to chill him out. Yeah. The problem is that man has a sin issue. How do we fix that? Amazing. So again, the wrath of God is, is a response to the rebellion of man. Yeah. So yes, we're saved from the wrath of God because we're saved from the principle of sin. Yeah. So Paul says clearly, you're not appointed to wrath anymore. Why? Because we're saved from the cause behind the wrath. And the cause behind the wrath is the principle of rebellion in our hearts. Same thing with the power of Satan. The power of Satan is a consequence of sin. Satan. So now this is the third category. Satan only has access where man has given him access. Whoa, that's huge. That's huge. So, So let's look at the way that Satan came to Adam and Eve in the garden. If it was a power struggle, he would have shown up with some kind of 
force. Force. Yeah. But he didn't. He was a harmless animal. He showed up deceiving Adam and Eve to disobey God. Okay. Because he knew in their disobedience, I gain authority. They were in the driver's seat. They were in the driver's seat until they stepped out of a place of surrender and submission to God. That's why James says in the New Testament, submit to God and then resist the devil. Wow. Because he knows you can't resist the devil until you submit to God. So does grace save us from the power of Satan? Yes, because it saves us from the reason why Satan has any power anyway, which is sin. So the answer to the question from what does grace save us is the answer is sin. And when we are saved from sin, now we're no, no longer under the law because we're under grace. Now, and essentially, we don't need the law. Yes. Now, we still read the law because of a lot of reasons. That's a whole different discussion. Yes. But we, we're under grace. So grace saves us from the principle of sin. Therefore, we're no longer governed by the law. We're no longer pointing to wrath. And we're no longer vulnerable to the power of Satan. Because now we've been restored. And when you reread, this is the amazing thing, when you reread the New Testament with this lens, you see it everywhere. One of the first things it says in the Gospel of Matthew is this, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then John the Baptist is standing in the Jordan River, and he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist didn't say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the wrath of God. He didn't say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the law. He didn't say, Behold the, ra- Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the power of Satan. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John says in 1 John, he says, And for this reason the Son of God, or the Son of Man, was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And then it goes on to say, And he was manifested to take away our sins. Amazing. So Amazing. there are more it's scriptures incredible. we can go to. Yeah, but I know, yeah, yeah. You know, there, but you reread it, you see it everywhere. The explicit declaration of the New Testament is that grace saves the human heart from sin. Therefore, we're no longer governed by the law, no longer pointed to wrath, and no longer vulnerable to the power of Satan. Incredible. I, you know, I think in closing, I, I want to pray for people that are watching. Um, and the main, you know, the main drive behind this conversation that, that we just had is, a, is, a, is around mind renewal. Mm-hmm. But this whole series is about walking in freedom. So maybe we can pray about mm-hmm. both of those. But I, I just want to make one one summary on, on what we're saying. I, I, I love how we've got to deal with the broke with our brokenness somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean nobody it's 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 unavoidable. Everybody has to have an answer for it. Mm-hmm. And that, not, it's not just a, a something people of faith have to have an answer for. You could be purely materialistic and you have to you have to deal with the brokenness of the world around us. You could be of another faith and you have to deal with the bro- every this is the task of what we have before us. But what I love about what you're saying is without without Jesus, we either have to minimize the depth of the brokenness, mm-hmm. which you can it's it's like trying to push a beach ball under the water. It can only stay under for just a little while and the brokenness is going to come screaming out. It's going to come popping up at some point. Or we redefine brokenness. Mm-hmm. We normalize it and say brokenness isn't, um, isn't really brokenness. The problem with that is, is when our own brokenness then starts to control us or it starts to cause 
cause injury in ways that that hurts the, the human flourishing of anybody. Mm-hmm. What I love about what you just said is from Jesus's perspective, it actually elevates the severity of our brokenness. Mm-hmm. But it also elevates right. the grandeur of God's grace right. and the incredible power mm-hmm. of the grace of God in our lives to actually address this brokenness. So it's so it's living life with eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. Let's see the brokenness for what it really is. But then we realize the answer is far greater than we could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I really want us to pray into now is that people have a revelation of what of what it is they're really dealing with. Mm-hmm. But then there's a greater revelation of the grace that's yes. been given. So can you lead us yes. in prayer to close us out? Yes, I would love to pray over that. And just right where you are, just allow your heart to be aware of God as we're praying. So Lord, I ask that each of us would have an unusual ability to simply be honest right now, to be honest with ourselves and to be honest with you about what our condition is. And that, Lord, you would show us from your perspective what our condition is without you. That, Lord, we would not deceive ourselves into thinking that we we are okay or that we're fine. But, Lord, we would have your perspective about the human condition separated from you. We would see our need. We would see ourselves as you do, Lord. But also, Lord, that you would not leave us in that place of despair, but you would then lead our hearts to Jesus the Savior. As it says in Scripture, the law was a schoolmaster. It taught us how to come to Jesus because it revealed to us how much we need him. So, Lord, I ask that you would do that dual revelation. Show us how much we need you and then bring us to you with fresh faith, knowing that you change everything. When we call on you, you change everything. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.